0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
2: Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews!
1: And 29 other MLB clubs. High
3: drive, deep left field. And Nino left the Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right
0: center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby
1: Champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us, next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
0: Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to A's Cast Live as we're getting you ready for the athletics and the San Francisco Giants. Game two of the Bay Bridge Series from San Francisco. We are not there. Obviously, we are in the new A's studio, which you can now see on our Twitter account at AthleticsCast24 or on the Athletics YouTube page. And you'll now be able to see what we do here on a daily basis when we talk about A's baseball and everything in Major League Baseball. The great Marty Lurie, the historian. Marty is somebody who is very special in our business, in the San Francisco Radio Hall of Fame, worked around the A's for many, many years, now the Giants. But really, what he is is a, a baseball fan, a great broadcaster, but a baseball historian, and we absolutely love Marty. And Marty will be here uh, to get us ready for this game and to talk a lot about the state of the game. Because, boy, I can't I, – I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm shocked we're going to start the show the way we're going to start the show today. I I, I still, I can't believe it. I, I literally can't believe it. But a lot to get into with Marty Lurie and Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic does a great job covering the A's in the minor league system and keeping us updated, which I said last night on the Clubhouse show, I'll say it today, I don't know ever more important really than the last couple of years. I mean... Now, okay, what do we got going to AAA, AA, A ball? What do we got? Who's the future? What do they look like? What are they doing? Who's not looking good? Who's not living up to the billing? And you got to go find something somewhere else. So, you know, talking to Melissa is very important because you know you don't want to be down. I'm not saying the A's are down at nine and nine, but you know you we want to get back to the expectations are. World Series, playoffs, division, that kind of stuff. And that's not where we are right now. And the only way we're going to get back to that is with
2: some really good players. Commander, how are you, by the way? Good. Uh, there are some good players that are coming through the A system. Shaylain Goliath was one of the guys. Max Muncie. No, not that. Max Muncie. The other one, same birthday. Tearing it up in Stockton with our good friend Alex Jensen as uh, well. You can't see it, but I'm repping, representing a Stockton Ports shirt with Gus. I mean, Why it, do you have a flannel on? Yeah, see, there it is. Stockton Ports. Why do you have a flannel on? Uh, Because I like wearing it. It's not cold. Uh, I know, but I'm not hot either. I mean, I'm in shorts and a golf polo, for God's sakes. I had a hoodie on yesterday. Like, dude, you're from the East
0: Coast. You should be in flip-flops and shorts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I
2: don't wear flip-flops. That's not my thing. But... Okay, you should
0: be in shorts. I'll it's wear like shorts. summertime outside. We're not in San Francisco. We're in the South Bay. It's like summer. It's like 70 degrees, and you're wearing a flan- a
2: bad-looking teal flannel at that. Uh, first of all, this is my this was my winter coat when I went to Pennsylvania a few months ago when it was negative three degrees.
0: Your fiancé allows you to wear teal?
2: This isn't really teal. What are you, were just, you repping the Sharks while you're back there? Big lo- uh, I would say big win, but they lost last night. Uh, last home game of the year. But, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take the flannel off eventually. Then I'll rep the Stockton Ports shirt. Thank you to the, the face of the Ports, the great Alex Jansen, for the shirt. But, you're right. I'm looking forward to the major, the minor leagues, and the report from Melissa. But you're right. State of baseball, Marty Loria. Home runs aren't flying. Pitches aren't going okay, long.
0: I, I don't even. I, oh my God! I don't even want to get. I don't want to <laughs> get into that. I mean, like seriously. Where's my phone? What's the thing? Do you have it on the uh, on the playbook? What I sent you today from MLB Network?
2: Oh, uh, about the stats. <laughs> Where yeah. we're
0: like record low batting
2: average. Yeah, it's uh, record low singles. Have yeah. it right here. The Record league, it so two thirty one batting average league wide. That's lowest all time.
0: So they put this up right. They were showing they were showing stuff that's going on. It was about pitching, and then they on MLB now flipped it over to these numbers that their numbers that are so frightening. And that's not what I want to start to show with today. But okay, we'll get into it. But these numbers are so frightening. That you 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 wonder, like, the people who are promoting the game, the people who claim to love the game, and that's where I almost want to get our guy Eno Saros on, uh, Eno Saros on quickly.
2: I was hoping to have him Friday because he's usually at the Coliseum, so we'll be back there Friday. We can have him then talk about all of this.
0: And, like, Eno... I have a theory, by the way, that I I, I I have to get approval before I go this. I do have a theory that baseball has turned into not one, but two Titanics. One Titanic is really good. The other Titanic, you know what happens. But I want to get some people who know a little bit more about the inner workings of the game to go, yes, that is a good theory. Or no, I wouldn't go with that. But I may have that for you. But, man, where, where do you have it here in the Bible? On the playbook. It's okay, in uh, here 415 we go.
2: 15, right there, yeah.
0: All right, so a 231 league average, lowest all time. Where we are today, lowest all time. Uh, God, you didn't do it the way I sent it to you. See, this is what Cody does. You send Cody something, and then he like turns it into colors and
2: it's literally everything that's on the graphic.
0: Can I have the graphic that I sent you?
2: Yeah, It, it literally looks the exact same way. That is what you sent me. Uh, let me, but totally different. I wouldn't. Well, it's just, it's literally the same information. Where is it? No,
0: at? but so how does it look? It does not look the, okay. So here we go. 231 batting average, lowest all time going right now. What we got right now. Lowest all-time singles per game, 5.03 singles per game. Not good. There's nine innings.
2: I know. That's why it's mean. It's not good. Is it me? Are we still playing nine innings? Uh, last time I checked, we were. What are you supposed to do when you go up to the plate? Try to get a hit. Well, a lot of guys like to walk now, but. Five singles per game. That's combined. Not, to, not just one team. That's both teams.
0: Guys are striking out 23.1% of the time. Third highest all time. Not good. Not good? I mean, it doesn't matter what camera I look into. Not good. good. I want to look good here, and then I want to look good there, and it doesn't look good either way.
2: Oh, How many strikeouts Rodon had last night? Nine? Nine. Uh, I believe believe last time I checked, too, with the strikeouts, I believe the A's now lead uh, the AL in strikeouts per game as an offense. Yeah, most in the American League. And they also have a 206 batting average, lowest in the AL.
0: And that was, what, Rodan's four start? Yeah. That's the most strikeouts that a San Francisco Giant pitcher, it might be Giants pitcher, now that I think about it. So if you say, because the Giants, like the A's, have this long, long history, right, from New York to San Francisco. So you're talking about Christy Mathewson. I mean, you can throw it up. Juan Marichal, you think all the guys that have pitched and are in the Hall of Fame as a Giant? And some guy named Carlos Rodon has the most strikeouts through the first four games? Like, more than 10 Lensicum. Because 10 Lincecum, at the height of 10 Lensicum, he didn't go deep into games, but he struck out a lot of guys. Sometimes he went deep, but he was at, I mean, the guy won two Sean Youngs. He was incredible for a very short time. I mean, he was striking out everybody. And this guy, Rodon, has more strikeouts than any giant through four games?
2: It's pretty it's pretty impressive for what he's done. And I
0: don't I I is it? I mean Is it wait a minute? Is it? I want you to think about that. And one thing that I think I'm gonna challenge this year is I'm kinda in since I turned fifty, right? And now I'm really thinking about a lot of things. I've been reading about things. I'm kind of been, you know, changing my life as, you know, what do I want my life to be not to be too morbid, what I want my life to be for the second half of my life. <laughs> I'm tired of people speaking in generalities. Wait, you think you're getting to hundred? The way I've lived my life first fifty years says no, I would not bet on that. But everybody's telling me modern technology is going to make up for all the bad stuff that I did before. I've changed my diet. I'm exercising differently. I got. All, I'm taking all kinds of these pills and stuff like that. So I've lost a lot of weight, as probably a lot of people can see. But uh, maybe. But I'll say this: I'm tired of generalities. Right, it's one of the things that's been bothering me about my favorite channel, MLB Network. Baseball people just speak in the same stuff. Hey, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look at the back. I'm going to look at the back of the baseball card. Blah, 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 blah. Tell me something. Educate me. Stop giving me, it's like whenever I start talking about pitching right now in baseball and everybody just wants to go, well, you know, it has short in spring training. You know, stop giving me chalk. Everybody gives me chalk. Every play-by-play you guys giving me chalk. Most analysts are giving me chalk. Give me some teach me something. Give me something that makes me mentally go, that's interesting. Stimulate my mind with topics and with points. Don't give me the same old, same old that you gave me last year and the year before, 10 years ago, too much of that. And you know what? I think that really translates with the younger audience because the younger audience, they don't play to the back of the baseball card stuff. They want stuff that's different. And their world, they're getting their information and they're getting their dialogue and they're getting their news and their world is all coming from different places, right? If you're a same old, same old person who's been saying the same jargon and the same general points for the last 10 years, they're not getting that on TikTok.
2: Very true. I mean, I'm not. A, I'm they're a, not. I'm a millennial and I don't even use TikTok, but you're right. Like a lot of people like to, you know, live in the now, not. 25, 30, 40 years ago.
0: So I don't mean to bust on you, but I I am. That's okay. I can handle it. Uh, Where you go, hey, that's impressive. He's got the most strike. I mean, when you pass Tim
2: Lincecum, I think that's pretty
0: impressive. 23.1% strikeout percentage.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's not good. Third
0: highest all-time rate. I guess if he did this in, like, I don't know, 77, maybe I'd be impressed by that. Yeah. But he's doing it nowadays where – they're only getting 5 hits a game this year. Everybody's striking out. I mean, people Home, home runs are down too. <laughs> this is the other thing. This is this is the this, this 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 folks is the killer. All of this was based. We accepted we accepted declines in stats because home runs were up. We had recommend I mean starting from what was it? 12, 11. Every year, there was a record amount of home
2: runs. More home runs. More home runs. More home runs. I think there was one year, like, I think it might have been 2018, where the home run number didn't go up. And then 2019. But it was just by a little bit. And then 2019, go. the the uh, Twins and Yankees both hit 300 home runs as a team. Yeah, what was Each. Twins when they hit the record? 307. Three, Yankees, 306.
0: So, we weren't <laughs> worried about this, right? Okay, you're going to strike out more, but they're hitting home runs. Uh, not that many hits. You're hitting home runs. Home runs per at-bat is now 36.75%. Worst mark since 2014. So, for every at-bat, there's not as many home runs. No hits, strikeouts, and no home runs. So, if you're telling me the three true... So, we became a three true outcome sport, strikeouts, walks, and home runs. Well, if you have three true outcomes... See, it's easier to do this on video now. I used to do all this, by the way... And you could only hear it. Now you get to see it. Well, I saw it. Three has now turned into two. Your sport is now just walks and strikeouts.
2: Yeah, it's uh. Wait, how's what? That are we, so we don't know. Or I, 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 I can find it. What the walk rate is this year? I'm sure it's but not good.
0: If the three true outcomes, and that's what we've been teaching these guys to be, are home run, strikeout, walks, and we're cool with everything as long as the ball's going out of the yard. But if the ball's not going out of the yard, all you got to strike out some walks. That's your product. That is your pro. We're in the entertainment business, and that's what you're going to be selling people is strikeouts and walks. That's why I'm going to spend money for tickets, and I'm going to go through parking and traffic and all the kind of stuff I got. Stay up late for a three-hour. I'm going to watch three hours of strikeouts and walks. That's your product. When the NBA's everybody's shooting threes, NFL they're scoring touchdowns. I mean
2: hockey scoring goals like crazy.
0: Yeah, every everybody's offense is going nuts. Your offense is what? Walks and strikeouts that have nothing to do with the ball being put into play.
2: I, I mean I just saw something in hockey wow. the other day that I haven't seen in forever. Austin Matthews, Bay Area kid but grew up in Arizona, just scored sixty goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're we're lucky if we're gonna see a guy hit thirty five of the forty home runs. I know Rizzo leads baseball with eight, but he had three yesterday. Although, what was the thing you told me though only one of them would have went out?
0: Yeah, they had it on StatCast that only one of Rizzo's home runs yesterday would have been uh, – only would have been out in other ballparks. In every other ballpark in baseball, two of his home runs would have been out. You know, you know what my answer to that is? So what?
2: Yeah, he hit him out at Yankee Stadium. Who cares? I,
0: that's why they want left-handed hitters at Yankee Stadium because I can flip it down the right field line, and it's a pitching wedge, and it's out.
2: Last time I checked, putting the ball over the fence is a run, and you're trying to score more runs than the other team, correct? Is that the name of the game? Or well, am no, I fr- the name am I fr- of the game is
0: walking and striking out. That's what the data.
2: Where do you have my Scott Emerson It's all in the data? Uh, I don't have it on me right now. I have it, but I didn't upload it. But I heard it last night on the on uh, postgame. The, how I wanted to start this show,
0: and this actually will lead into I wanted to be all about the Bay Bridge series, and, and I, I want it to be official. I love how Dave Cavill trolled the Giants fans last night about attendance. I didn't know about it because I was doing my show and I wasn't following Twitter. But I noticed last night, I'm like, wow, they got a lot of empty seats. And they're saying they had 32,000 people?
2: Yeah, my wife was there. Like, she said, what? My wife was there. It's not there. There's no way there's 32,000 people there. It's funny from the perspective. My wife was there, not a Giants fan, said there was a lot of people there. Her friend, who's a Giants fan, said there wasn't that many people there.
0: Yeah, there's there there. I mean, I'm behind home plate – down the left, right field line. I mean, there, there was not a, and it just fries Giants fans. I can't believe you, and I just laugh because you got to remember, folks. When I worked at KBR back in the day, a long time ago, I covered the Giants at Candlestick Park, and yes, I, like many other Giants people, were in that ballpark when they had just a couple thousand people in there. So ever since the move to then Pac Bell Park brought a new group of people, especially a lot of business people because we're the bay area and we have a lot of entertainment options, so you need to be the hot new thing and when you're the hot new thing, everybody wants to be a part of it. I remember covering the Warriors when I was at KMBR and there was nobody at Warrior games. Just it's it's life. It is life. Now it is surprising how good the Giants I don't think whether you're looking at this from a Giants or an A standpoint I'll look at it from a baseball standpoint. When you have a team that has the most wins in baseball since the start of last year, attendance isn't what they expect. That's not good for either the Giants or the A's. That's not good for – like, attendance is down for all of baseball. So that's not good. So, yeah, we hate them, they hate us. Fact? It drives me nuts. I like both teams. Yes, you can like watching baseball, but – Getting you got to be on one side. You're on one side or the other here. Yep. Your, your A's or 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 your Giants, whatever. But ban the split cap, please. But seeing seeing butts not in seats, whether it's in San Francisco or Oakland, either way is not good for baseball. Let let's let's just be honest. But I love Dave Cavill. Keep trolling him. I love it because it drives them nuts. They don't even. I. They, they, you want to go to Baseball Almanac and look at the all-time attendance every year at Candlestick Park for all these rabid Giant fans.
2: I'm you sure it, don't. No, you don't. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't great. You
0: do not want to look at how many years you're getting six hundred thousand in a full season, but yeah. So keep trolling, Cavill. I loved it. But the thing today that I couldn't believe it, like I was watching a show on my phone on the pre-court working out, and I started texting you the whole Chris Bassett blaming baseball for baseballs, and I thought to myself.
2: I have the audio if you want to hear, hear okay. Bassey.
0: I, I thought it was just incredible that we're still talking about the equipment in professional sports. How is that possible? How is it possible? We still don't know. Okay, the number one thing in baseball is a ball. you got to throw a ball to start the action. Someone has to get on the mound. The way the game is played, you have to throw the ball. So before we ever talk about a bat, before we ever talk about a glove and protective equipment for the catcher and the umpire anything, the equipment of the game, the number one thing, you can't have the game. Without, you could play baseball technically without a bat. We're doing it right now with only strikeouts and walks. But you get what I'm saying. Baseball starts with a ball. We are in 2022 and still don't know what the ball is. It's not good. That is like, and as long as you continue to have a handmade baseball, I don't know exactly how it's made. I'm sure there's some machines that wind the yarn and do everything, but a lot of it, I'm not going to say a lot of it, some of it is still handmade. I just, a golf ball is not handmade. I mean, they, the, the ball that's sold the most in any sport is the golf ball. Golf balls are sold more by the truckloads right every single day they make golf balls every single day golfers lose golf balls means golfers buy golf balls every day to play everywhere you go where there's sun there are golf courses there's people playing golf and there's people buying golf balls it's the most bought thing in sports and sporting sporting equipment you don't buy a bazillion basketballs you don't buy a bazillion hockey pucks or footballs or whatever you buy one glove one bat golf you're constantly buying golf balls. There's not a human element when making the golf ball. It's done by machines and equipment. Right? You've seen how they make footballs. I don't know how they make hockey pucks, can't be too complicated. A hockey puck is rubber. Put rubber in freezer, freezes over, put it on the ice, stays frozen. It's rubber. There's nothing else in the hockey puck but rubber, correct?
2: Take your word for it, but that sounds correct. And after filling hockey pucks for years, yes. Yeah, it is a rubber subtype of rubber. Yeah, there's it's I don't, steel. I
0: don't think, it's not cowhide. It's not, it's a rubber substance.
2: Yeah, I'm not hearing about the drag on the hockey puck on a slap shot like we are with the baseball. It's frozen rubber. It's what it is.
0: And I'm sure it's not a human being making the frozen rubber. So every other sport has a machine and computers making its equipment. Baseball still are handmade, so play Chris Bassett because Chris Bassett's not playing. You know, a bunch of Mets have been hit, but and they end up having a, a little dust up today because who who got it up and in today? It was an earlier game today.
2: Cardinals beat the Mets. Um, I know, and the brouhaha ended up starting because J.D. Davis got hit. It
0: can't be a brouhaha if no one throws a punch.
2: Um, Someone well, has to throw a punch. I'm trying to remember for the. It's
0: just it's just guys coming out and talking. You're just talking. Like, like, we're looking for jeans. Brad
2: Pitt, Billy Bean, money back. What are we? Just talking.
0: You guys are just talking.
2: They didn't throw any
0: punches. No bro. Ha
2: But, yeah, they ended up hitting J.D. Davis. So, the next inning, uh, Lopez threw up and in on Nolan Arnauto. Ooh. And that didn't go well. Do, do you want to play that or Bassett first?
0: I don't. No, Did anyone throw a punch?
2: Uh, no one threw a punch. Pete Alonzo was held back by Stubby Clapp, the uh, the Cardinals coach. And then Pete Alonso after the game said, the polar bear, if I wanted to put somebody in the hospital, I could have. Okay. Well, I'll
0: tell you this, tough guy. I've covered every sport there is, professional sport, the big four. I've covered Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, and hockey. Clubhouse here, locker room here. Each sport has a different name for it. In hockey, they like to call it the room.
2: Don't step on the logo in the middle of the room
0: either. Your room's here. The other room's over here, Tough guy. You can go stand outside. Now, security may have it, but it's been done before. You wouldn't be the first guy. Hey, there's been other players that have gone into other people's clubhouses and said, hey, there's parking lots. You can wait out by the bus. You want to, you want to, you know, Pete Alonso, you're this big tough guy. Not gonna say he is. Not gonna say he's not. I'm just gonna say there's a lot of professional baseball players who talk a big game, who they haven't been to fight for years. I think one of the greatest examples. You want to be a tough guy,
2: Joey Bats. <laughs> that was like what six years ago. You have Batista or five years Batista,
0: ago, Batista. You know these baseball players. If fighting is a skill, and Lindor knows how to fight. You can tell Lindor. Odor. Uh, Odor, who did I say? Lindor. Lindor. Odor, no, Ruggedo. Odor knows how to. He knows how to throw a punch. You saw it. It was technical. It was fat. It
2: was short. Not fat. It was short. Uh, it was the impact. I didn't realize you're a boxing analyst. Watched a lot of boxing. I watched a lot of
0: WWE. Don't think I've actually done play-by-play for boxing and MMA. The way he did it was so technical. Bam, and he hit him. And Joey Bats. Joey Bats never put his hands up, never tried to protect. You can tell he's not been in a fight anytime lately. Or maybe ever. I don't know. You can tell somebody who knows how to fight and someone's not. Rugnan O'Dour knows how to protect himself. And look how fast or- Od- O'Dour pulled the, pulled the trigger on that punch, which tells you, he, I don't know when's the last time he had been in a fight before, but that was a natural reaction for him. He has been in fights before. He knows how to fight. He knew how to throw a right hand and whack and put him right in the mouth. And Joey Bats act like and he's stumbling around. That's a guy that doesn't know how to fight. Like, we get all these guys in baseball, you know, they get their chest out, oh, and they're yelling. Do they really know how to fight? So, hey, Pete Alonzo, polar bear, you're so tough. There, you could have there, – there is a way you could, you could have some type of jawing with guys We've seen it in the NBA where guys have stood outside the other team's bus and said, come on out.
2: Uh, Have you ever heard of a guy named Charles Oakley? Uh, He was a big enforcer for the Knicks. Legendary
0: story about Charles Oakley standing outside the bus of the Chicago Bulls with all Jordan and Pippen and all their stars. He had challenged the whole team. Come on out. I mean, we saw it. Let me ask you a question. Did anybody come out of that Bulls bus?
2: No, I couldn't even picture a guy
0: from the Bulls that would come out. I'll give you another one. You want a tough guy? Ramon Laureano uh, That's tough guy. what I was going to bring up. Ramon Laureano went right after an entire bench. That's a guy who knows how to fight, and that's a tough guy. And People don't want to fight a guy like that because he's a real fighter. So Pete Alonzo, save it. But I want you to get to the Chris Bassett. Here's Chris Bassett talking about the issue is the baseball.
3: What is the level of overall frustration with the fact that it keeps happening at this at this clip? yeah um it's it's extremely annoying to see your teammates constantly get hit and if we get hit by certain pitches it's it is what it is, but to get hit in the head the the amount that we're getting hit is it's unbelievable. Um, I had some close calls tonight, um, which I've been hit in the face. I don't ever want to do that to anybody ever, but uh the MLB has a very big problem with the baseballs. I mean, they're bad. Everyone knows it. Every pitcher in the league knows it. They're bad. They don't care. The MLB doesn't give a damn about it. They don't care. Um, we've told them our problems with them. They don't care. What are the problems with them? What's different about them? They're all different. The, the first inning, they're 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 decent. The third inning, they're bad. The fourth inning, they're okay. The fifth inning, they're bad. Um, then we have different climates. Every, everything's everything's different. There's no new, there's no Common ground with the balls. There's nothing, nothing the same outing to outing. They're bad.
0: I got to tell you, I didn't see that till this morning and I was shocked by it. And let's bring on somebody who is a true baseball historian. He's a San Francisco radio hall of famer. You remember all the years he was around A's baseball, all the years now around Giants baseball. But I I don't like to label Marty with one team because I think of all the respect that he has from everybody in the game. If you don't know it, you know, we talk about Ray Fossey and his great library of guests. Same thing with Marty Lurie. Marty has interviewed everybody, both leagues, has the respect of everybody, and I don't think anybody knows more about minor league baseball than the great Marty Lurie. The Hall of Famer is with (laughs) us now. Marty, how are you, buddy?
4: Good, Chris. It's a pleasure to be with you. How are you?
0: I'm good. Can you believe it? All these things to talk about in our great game, and we're still talking about the equipment. Have they always done this in baseball history?
4: Yeah, they have. You know, it's funny. I was uh, at a game today – Uh, The Dodger game with Arizona and a lot of, you know, Bob Nightingale was there and Barry Bloom and all these different, you know, national writers. And the topic of conversation was the baseball, you know, and they've used so many different levels of baseballs. They're mixing them all up now. And Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, said the other day, he's not sure what baseball you get at what point in the game. And that's what's going on. Have they always done it? They've always monkeyed around with the baseball. We know that. It goes back to the very beginning, 1920, when they tightened it up and started the home run era. They've been monkeying with the baseball ever since then.
0: Well, that's why we love to bring you on. And I, I talked about you last night in the A's Clubhouse show going, you know, a lot of people will get into analytics and they're on fan graphs and they're on baseball reference and baseball savant and all these different sites. I'm like, Marty Lurie has read more books about the history of this game. It is unbelievable. And that's why I love having you on, because we can talk about what's going on today, but also so much about the game's history. And it's just – I just think about the other sports, Marty. If you're talking about a football, a puck, a golf ball, or whatever, a basketball, these other – I mean, other than when Tom Brady obviously deflating the balls, but for the most part – you're not hearing hockey players going, hey, in the third third period, I have no idea what puck we're using.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's the truth. Uh, that's the way baseball works. And the people who run the game have always tried to figure out how can we get more offense in the game? Then they got so much offense in the game. Now they said, well, let's take some of the offense out of the game. And Chris, you watch these games now. 1-1 today, uh, Arizona and the Dodgers before the Dodgers made a couple of errors in the eighth inning to turn that game around. Urias gave up one hit today. Uh, Zach Gallen was terrific. Look at all these games that we have. There are very few blowouts. Things are, uh, are different. And baseball doesn't know what to do. They have no idea what the fans want to see. More home runs, less home runs. Runs have always been the key. And if this goes on like this, with runs down, home runs down, and everything else, you'll see a change in the ball again.
0: You know, I'm not a math major, Marty, but I do think
4: if you score more runs than the other team, you're going to be in good shape. No matter how many you score, you want to get one more (laughs) than the other team. And that's the idea of the game. You know, the game is, you know, it's so different. I mean, the starting pitcher, you know, five or six innings, and then here comes the parade of bullpen guys, all of them throwing 97, 98, and that's why the batting averages are down. Look at you know you look at the Giants and this great record they're off to. Uh, their offense is very pedestrian. Yes, they have a couple of hot players now. Uh, Peterson is hot. Flores is hot. And that's the way they play. Uh, but the the games are very interesting offensively. The pitching has dominated to such a degree that baseball is concerned about it. Yeah, and and. and... Just to add to
0: that, we have taken away, whether it's the sunscreen in the rosin, we've taken away spider tack, we have no idea what baseball, what inning, and uh, and still pitching is dominating. That's like, I mean, how, how could anybody have the answer? I mean, I mean, if you gave spider tack back, they'd even be more dominant. Right now we're looking at the lowest average ever, the lowest hits per game ever, uh, mm-hmm. lowest hits per game ever. We're looking at home runs are way down. And, Marty, we talked about the three true outcomes in baseball, home runs, strikeout, and walks. Now it's just the two outcomes of baseball, walks and strikeouts, and neither one has anything to do with putting the ball in play.
4: Yeah, well, you know, Chris, it's April, and keep that in mind. Uh, you know, we've got a few more days here till May, and you really need a sample size of a season to see what's going on. Before panic? <laughs> yeah, but, but where we're going now – you know, we got a good idea of of something that we really haven't seen before, and that is that runs are down. And, you know, look at Las Vegas, you know, usually the run total is eight, eight and a half. Now it's seven and a half and seven. And they're on this more than anybody in the world. Yeah. And the runs are down. There's no question about it.
0: All right, let's get into some positive stuff because, in the end, we love this game. And the reason why we criticize is because we're trying to make the game more entertaining, to make more people love our game, make more people involved in it. So we're just trying to give opinions and help out. But let's talk about something positive. Let's talk about the A's. Nine and nine. Marty, we saw you down at spring training. We were all kind of shaking our heads going, Ugh. I you know as of right now, I mean the numbers aren't great, but nine and nine wouldn't you say as an A's fan for what you thought it was going to be nine and nine not so bad.
4: Oh, absolutely! Are you kidding? Uh, you know we talked about it, the captain and Vince and you and me uh, talked about it down there yeah. about that first road trip. What could have happened? You know, going into Philly, Tampa Bay, and Toronto, and to come back uh, even, and then to be even now, eighteen games in. Uh, You know, I think it's a tremendous start and it gives the ball club some confidence, but you got to score runs, (laughs) you know, some runs. And the A's are having trouble scoring runs now. And that's really the issue for them. And the bullpen is all new people and it takes time to get your feet on the ground. Let's see what the pitcher has tonight. Blackburn, if he could keep the game close and then maybe get it to a bullpen game at the end. But, yeah, I think the start is terrific. Come on. Nine and nine. Are you kidding?
0: And, you know, every once in a while, there's a team that no one expected to do anything. I mean, Marty, you've researched this a lot about these teams that come out of nowhere. The names on the back of the jerseys are not the guys you think that can win. And you can go way back when there was no names on the back of the jerseys, but there's been teams that people had no expectations for and shocked the world. Because the only thing that matters, Marty, is that those guys in those uniform believed. Didn't matter what everybody else believed.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And look, this year, you know, again, Seattle, you know, they're playing excellent baseball now, and they they've got a, a pitcher. Is it Gilbert, who who is absolutely terrific? I mean, he's he's terrific. And I'll tell you another team that's dangerous now is the Angels. You know, Trout is on fire. And all of a sudden with Trout and Otani, you have you know, and Rendon, you've got – and Sandoval looks like their best pitcher, along with Syndergaard and Otani. The Angels are back all of a sudden. And then I think, you know, in the East, I think Tampa Bay has been a disappointment so far, but you know the way they play, they'll be there. And in the Central – I think Minnesota is probably a little better than we thought, and that that may be one. But uh, the White Sox are worse than we thought. Uh, Cleveland is a team that uh, the Giants handled very easily. Uh, It's a good race all over baseball. It really is. And then American League East is a beast. You know, look at Boston. They've got to go up to Toronto. And because of the rules of vaccinations, they can't take a couple of their best players up there. And it cost them the game last night. No doubt.
0: Yeah. Not having uh relievers when I mean, you don't have your key guys. Yeah. 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 It affects you. You know, when you talk about two way players like Shohei Otani, obviously everybody's going to go back to Babe Ruth. There was, you know, Babe way back when, when Babe was on the mound for the Red Sox one year, he won 25. The next year, won 24 vice versa. He won a lot of games. And then you really, I don't know how much you saw it. I mean, we talk about Mark Kotze. I played against Mark Kotze in college, and I thought, my God, if there was anybody, it could be a two-way guy. He threw 96-97, and he hit bombs. Uh, But he was never given that opportunity. The Marlins never gave him that shot. I remember Bruce Kieschnick out of Texas, uh, never really got a chance to do it. But now that we're seeing Otani, but let's go back in history. Has there ever, other than Babe Ruth, ever a guy really given that chance to do both?
4: Boy, uh, I'm sure there are different ones who have been infielders and outfielders then became pitchers. I mean, uh, you think of Kenley Jansen, a catcher, and all of a sudden he's a pitcher. But let, Trevor about, Hoffman. Yeah, t- right, shortstop. Yeah. And they couldn't hit and they made him a re- very good, Chris. That was a good pull. Uh, but to think of ones that did it actively, I mean, Willie Smith, believe it or not, look him up. Uh, he was an angel and tiger in the 60s. I remember how Jeffcoat did it uh, in the 50s. Um, I I can't think, it wasn't in vogue. And Kotze is a good example. You know, he threw the heck out of the ball, but they never gave him a shot. Brandon Belt threw the heck out of the ball and they never gave him a shot because now it's cool to to be a two-way player. But for many, for decades, it was not cool and no one was given that chance. There were a couple of the ones I mentioned come to mind for me real quick.
0: Can you imagine? How, can you imagine how amazing it would have been back in the day? Willie Mays doing everything he did in San in San Francisco or in New York, and then coming in a ninth inning, blowing cheese and closing games. Think
4: of the guys <laughs> with great arms: Jesse Barfield of Toronto, yes, Dave Winfield. How about Ichiro? You know, a guy like Ichiro with a great arm. Uh, Barfield, I said, um, you know, you've got people like them: Jeff Francoeur, great arm. Uh, you know, there's so many, it would, it would have been very interesting, have a Rocky Calavito, you know, if you want to pull a name from the past, you know, a tremendous arm for Cleveland and Detroit. In fact, he did pitch every once in a while. They put him in every once in a while. What do you think about a position player pitching? You think that makes a mockery of the game?
0: No. Oh yeah. Just, just a guy coming in just to give you outs and innings. uh, Yeah. Yeah, when you, if everybody is going to talk about the integrity of the game, we hear integrity all the time, and then you just throw a guy out there throwing 48 miles an hour, and we're already giving you 8 million pitchers down in the bullpen, yeah, I got an issue with it.
4: Yeah, it's funny about this sportsmanship and everything. You know, we haven't seen it here uh, in this series, and, you know, the Giants are pushing the envelope every time you turn around with steals and bunts and all this stuff. They, they don't let up. But to decide whether it's right or wrong, it's not for you and me. It's for the players. And if they don't like it, they'll do something about it, the way the game is played. Now, it's not that simple to do it. You pitch inside, and just inside, I don't even mean knocking a guy down. You pitch inside, and there's warnings all over the place. You can't slide into second. You can't slide into home. So policing the game is hard, but they have to decide where the line is, and you'll see this as it's developing this year, they they will tell you, and we could debate it all day long. It means absolutely nothing. It's the players that will tell you where it is. It's going to be interesting to see what happens.
0: Yeah, I remember the whole thing with the Giants and the Padres, and there was obviously a stolen base in the second inning. I'm like, it's the yeah. second inning, and you can't steal bases? Because the thing that bugs me, is that at the end of the year, you're paid, especially in arbitration, on your numbers, and now you're starting to tell me that I can't play because of what the score is, and when can I play, when can I not, the unwritten rules, I understand that's old school, when you can bunt, when you cannot bunt. But, you know, when we were watching that game, it was obviously Bob Melvin, it was Matt Williams, it was those guys were angry, I don't know how angry like the younger Padre players were. So is this like something from the older generation that's still in the game hates that does the younger generation still really care about the unwritten rules. You're around a lot of these young giant players. How do they feel?
4: Yeah, I I think it's an identity that Kapler has sold to this ball club. Um, But there's a, there's a question of what, when the line is drawn and what you can do now, if you got a guy on first and you're up 9-3 to three and uh, it's the eighth inning and there's a ball in the gap and you score the guy and it's a close play at the plate, I don't have a problem with that. If you're up 9-3 or 10-3 and it's the eighth inning and you lay down a bunt, I sort of think, you know, you want sportsmanship or what, don't rub it in kind of thing, then that's that's something that has to be looked at. Look, you can steal a bag. They play behind runners all the time. And if they're going to play behind, take the base. Why not? If you don't want them to do it, then get on the bag. So I think there's a little bit of that involved. But you got to look at the situation and what baseball play happened. If you try to lay down a bunt, you're up 11-2 in the eighth inning, and you're bunting, there's a problem. There is. Now, if you're Ben Davis, and you're pitch, and guys pitching a no hitter, you know San Diego baseball. Yeah. Guys pitching a no hitter, and Ben Davis lays down a bunt, and it's a one nothing game in the eighth inning. That's okay. It just depends on the situation. You know Willie Mays really well. You guys are
0: very good friends, and I think of this class of guys where you're talking about three hundred average, five hundred home runs in uh, the 3,000 hits, when you're talking about Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, obviously Ted Williams should be there, and i like to bring him up because he missed those years for the service. He would have got the 3,000 hits and been a part of that. But when you talk about Miguel Cabrera as a hitter, getting mm-hmm. to that mark and being with these guys, what does that mean for you, his place in history?
4: I think it's great. I mean, he did things that no one else did. When you look at Jason Stark, from The Athletic, did a beautiful article on on it last week. Look it up. Um, This is a guy who's got 3,000 hits. He's got 500 home runs. Um, He uses the whole field. This is not just a a power hitter. Miguel Cabrera was a good third baseman, and he's a good baseball player. And I think he he really cemented himself into that situation uh, for all time. There's more to him than we know. Now, where did he play? He played at Miami and Detroit. So who knows what he could do? We saw him in the World Series against the Giants. And, you know, as I said that the other day on the show, he could get 6,000 hits. But what everyone will remember about Miguel Cabrera is taking strike three from Romo to end the World Series uh, in 2012. But he's a fabulous player and did things no one else did and but he used the whole field. He's a hitter. And that's what I like about him.
0: You know, you got to see Hank Aaron and you got to see Willie Mays. Obviously just looking at the video, Aaron was so unique because he hit off his front foot. He Yeah, Yeah. he, Roberto Clemente. You would not teach that to a hitter to get out on your front foot, but you got, I mean, your hands have to be so strong and move into your head that much, but obviously it worked. Talk about what it was like to watch Mays and Aaron. What were their, educate us fans who didn't get to see it. What were their games like offensively?
4: Well, it was, you know, you couldn't, you know, that was an era of fastballs too, and the pitchers were smart. But there was the old saying that, you know, getting a fastball past Hank Aaron was like getting the sun past the rooster. <laughs> so it, it, it tells you, you know, and then another guy, you know, would say, you know, the pitchers were so good. Uh, certain Kofax and Marichal talk about the other side of the coin. You know, hitting them was like trying to drink coffee with a fork, you know, that kind of stuff. So you had those comparisons. But to get to your point, it was the power. It was the power because people got thrown at in those days. You know, you didn't just get moved off the plate, you know, inside. Let's see his feet move. You got knocked down. Yes. And they got up and still had that power. And I think it was in the wrists. I really do. Uh, Ernie Banks. How about Ernie Banks? Take a look at the stuff he did uh, as an MVP in 57 and 58 shortstop. He was the first one to hit 40 plus home runs at 47, 48 home runs. Um, to answer your question, I think it's the wrists. I think it was that's what it was. And the ball could be past them. It was like Bonds. Bonds' wrists were incredible. The ball could be, you'd say, well, that's past them. And all of a sudden, here comes the bat and they whack it. So I think that's it the ability to let the ball get deep.
0: You know, I think Miguel Cabrera kind of reignited some things in me when I started seeing what he's doing and then seeing players on these lists, and I just start, I I don't know where you are on it, Marty, but when I start looking at these lists and some of the guys on these incredible lists that did incredible things are not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and you're just like, I know we were in a period, we covered it, we were around it, but these guys still did it, and it's just weird when you say, Miguel Cabrera is joining this group who all did that, But yet, like three or four of them are not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Like Barry Bonds is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's like, what are we doing here?
4: Well, wait, you know, we've got new committees now, you know, and and Clemens and Bonds are going to be considered by 12 people instead of 400. And as the demographics change on these committees and time goes by, uh, Bonds and Clemens will get in. And that it's just a matter of time. Um, You know, when the older sports writers are gone and some of the older Hall of Famers are gone and it's people who just will look and say, hey, this guy had seven MVPs, you know, before the steroid era. Uh, And it'll 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 happen for them. Uh, It's not going to happen right away. Now, Pete Rose is a different story. You know, everyone says, oh, there's gambling, you know, in baseball today. Charlie Blackman is endorsing, you know, one of these uh, gambling sites, even though it's not for baseball. What about Pete Rose? Well, when Pete Rose bet on his team, you couldn't do that. Now, you still can't do it, but it was really something you couldn't do at that period of time. And he would send, you know, his guy down to make bets at that time. And if he didn't send the guy that day, the bookies would say, hey, what's going on today? So Pete is a different question. And I know he'd like to say, hey, there's gambling today. Let me in. What he did when he violated the rule was was dramatic, and that's gonna keep him out. You think
0: about how big that story was nationally. Just not we're talking sports. Pete Rose yeah. gambling, uh, you know, and I think Bart Giamatti, and I think that whole thing that was that was that was on network news leading prime time, it was so oh, big. Is it Hitler? And then and then now I'm turning MLB Network now as a gambling show every afternoon where they're breaking down <laughs> overs and unders. Did you ever think after what we saw with Pete Rose we would get to where we are now?
4: Honestly, no. I really thought baseball and and I'm naive. What can I tell you even at this <laughs> stage in my life? No, you're I not. Thought, I thought baseball would would stay away from it because the one thing baseball never wants is that scandal that the game may not be on the line and that someone could be doing compromised in some way. So I I truly believed that they would never get that level. Now we know how much gambling goes on in, in the country. And now as things have evolved with offshore betting and now it's, it's okay, different States are approving it. It was seeping into baseball and what got, into baseball was the one thing that motivates everybody in baseball. And it's the do re me and that's it. It's the money and they couldn't turn down the money and, and that's it. So they compromised their sport in a way. And now now you can bet during the game, you know, the score changes and all of a sudden you make, you're making another bet during the game. You can bet on pitches. There's all sorts of prop bets, how many uh, bases a guy will get. So I think it's crazy. Uh, I wish baseball didn't do it, but it's the money.
0: Let's end on this. You can make one change, good or bad, whatever you want. You're Marty Lurie. You're a Hall of Famer. I'm putting you in charge of Major League Baseball. You can do whatever you want to the sport. What's the one thing that you would like to see in baseball that's not happening now?
4: I would say the shift, honestly. I would say you got to have, you know, your feet on the dirt. If you want to have three people on the right side, go ahead. But you can't do this thing all over the place because it's destroyed left-handed hitting. It's destroyed them. And it's not that simple to go the other way. Try turning 98 around to go the other way. It's not that simple to do it. Um, So for me, I think that has changed the dynamic of the game where all of a sudden singles are not important. Going first to third is not important. Uh, playing for a run is not important because you say, "Hey, if he gets a double, that's better than three singles." He may not score if he gets two doubles. I know he's scoring, or if he hits a home run over the shift, I know that's going to be a run. So I'd like to see more action in the game. And I'll tell you something: the pace of the game has got to pick up. So I'm going to say shift, <laughs> and and the pace of the game. You just can't sit there. For three and a half hours and watch a guy go in the box, out of the box, a pitcher, rub up the ball and everything else. This pitch clock, when it comes in next year, and it will. Thank God. That is going to be a very dramatic change for the way we watch a game. But for me, if I was a commissioner, get rid of the shift. At least, you know, get rid of the deep shift.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. When you talk to guys like us, Marty, guys who are on and working after games, anything you can do to speed it up. I'm I'm down yeah. for any rule, any technology. <laughs> just just bring me something that's not three hours.
4: Look, I followed John Miller and the <laughs> rep. You know, come on. And, you know, I would be sitting there, you know, the game ends at, at 10-15 and yeah. I'm getting on at 11. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's, yeah. You know, so believe me, believe me, I understand you and me understand this. Not many people do, but stop talking after the game, get, get to the post game show, which makes more sense anyway, because people are still involved with the game. So, but you do a good job. Well, a lot of people post game show is creating a, a a dialogue with the fans. Good or bad. And you've been terrific about it. When the A's are not going well, you're the first guy to say, hey, they stink right now. You can't do that. And that's the key to the postgame show is getting that dialogue going with the fans. You do you really do a good job with it. Now, I
0: don't want to get too inside, but it is true that the Giants have the longest broadcast postgame show, so you get on later after the final out no one gets yeah. on later after a game than actually you.
4: Yeah, no, it's it was twenty to thirty minutes, thirty-five minutes. Yeah. And uh, you know, that was it. But I look, I would do like you were I, I know how hard you work. I would do I still do the pregame three and three quarter hours. And then when I did the post game it was three to four hours. I did this for ten years. Three and three I was on longer than the game. <laughs> really when you added up how many hours, I'm on the air more than the giant broadcast. You were better than some of the games. Who are you kidding? Well, it was, I, was, uh, I was lucky because the fans responded because I can bring this kind of discussion to the, to the airwaves. And it's not jock radio, sh- you know, sh- shocking radio, that kind of stuff. But it's talking about what baseball is all about and connecting the dots. And also knowing that, yes, Rodon broke Tim Linscombe's record of the first four starts and strikeouts. And also that Juan Marichal pitched a one-hitter in 1960 in his first start. I'm at the right stage of my career to connect all those kind of dots.
0: There is nobody better. He is the historian, the great Marty Lurie. There's a reason why he's in the Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame.
4: When I did the A's, brought, you know, Chris, how many pre-games I did for the oh. A's 1998 to 09. I mean, you and interviewed everybody. 80, everybody. It was, it was a 90-minute pre-game every single day. Every single day. And Ken Korak would laugh that I would run from clubhouse to clubhouse. And, and then I'd go upstairs, and we'd have to feed the tape. And then I'd go on for 90 minutes. So my time with the A's was really amazing for me. I didn't know anything. And uh, it was it was fortunate that I could do that. A lot of good people helped me.
0: I guarantee you could show up to Tory Hunter's house right now, <laughs> knock Nick on Hunt. the door, he'd open it, and he'd hug you like you guys were brothers.
4: Yeah, yeah. How do you know that? Tori and I really we had fun together.
0: You know how many you know how many interviews I heard you and Tori Hunter do over the years? That's funny. Yeah, it was one of my
4: best. Yeah, we had a good time together.
0: I've been listening, Marty. I've been listening.
4: Yeah, very good. He uh, he introduced me to Denard Span, and when Span was with the Giants, uh, we connected with each other through through the Tory Hunter connection. Very good. Good, Chris. You got good knowledge. You
0: are the best, my friend. Be well, and we'll see you soon.
4: All right. Let's see if it's a two nothing game tonight.
0: Yeah. Good luck.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the great Marty Lurie. It is so true. It's it's like legend. I I think it was. Was it Kruko? Somebody was telling the story, like, for years. Because what happens is, is that the Giants, the TV guys come over, Kruk and Kipe, whatever they call it, right? It's the crosstalk or whatever, and they do it I all. I thought it was a
2: post-game wrap. I think or whatever, it. whatever they call it.
0: And all these years, all the other broadcasters have always laughed, and they wave goodbye to the Giants guys because they're there for, like, 45 minutes after the last pitch. Like, are you serious? They're like, final out, and it's 45 minutes later, and they're still going. Uh, who's your player of the game? Well, my player of the game, I this guy stole a base. It's like, it, it, it I, I, If it what? was me, I would have, I, I'd be freaking out, going, I want to take calls, I want to get in. Let's talk about the game. Your audience is already home. Everybody's driven home already by the time <laughs> these guys are done telling you about their player of the game, the guy who got a, you know, he came in today for one inning. And blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm like, really?
2: When they used to simulcast that on uh, back then, Was do they, they still s- put it on? I, uh, that's a good question. I don't want to watch a lot of Giants post game anymore. Well, that's when our friend George Contos is on. Uh, I don't think they do it anymore, but when they did, I remember seeing all four of them doing the rap, and like the seagulls were flying in. Like that's how long of oh, a yeah. broadcast they were they were going on. Wrap doing. it up. Nobody cares. But if it's sponsored, like it was, I get it.
0: All right. Coming up next
2: uh, is Marty the best. Marty's the best. Yeah, that was a really good segment there, talking about the history of baseball and just. You could talk getting
0: to Marty. Mar- Marty, you could you could do a deep dive Pacific Coast League, and he can like he can tell you about when my grandfather after after my grandfather was done playing went back managed the Padres and actually played for the Padres. In, in, in the Pacific Coast League, let them their own champion their only championship. I mean, he could tell you all about it. I'm like, I have no, I really have no idea. <laughs> it's my grandfather, uh, Marty Lurie's, as we like to say, a treasure. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live.
1: A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
0: 540 will be A's Total Access. Getting you ready for A's and the Giants, of course, brought to you by Chevron. Is Melissa with us right now? Can we see her? There she is. How are you? Great to see you great to see you too how yeah. are you doing the, this is the this is the new gig we got rolling. what I do know, you know it's
1: fancy yeah
0: we're trying to take we're trying to take the A's into 2022 from a media standpoint outstanding so how are you how is everything with the A's minor leagues
1: it's good it's busy you know it, it after last season was like kind of dipping your toe back in and now we're full rush back into a full you know 140 game season and uh it's been exciting so far those first three weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, the whole thing, I feel so bad for these guys. I know we've talked about it in the past. I mean, some guys absolutely lost a season in 2020. 2021 wasn't uh, the same. Hopefully, there was some type of normalcy this year. You know, very tough time to be a guy trying to move up in an organization, especially if you weren't a bonus baby.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And it was really incumbent upon those guys to decide, you know, how they were going to handle um, that season that didn't happen. You know, some guys went home and had access to uh, workout facilities and places to play and were able to kind of keep themselves in shape and others didn't have that or, or weren't able to, to, to get it as regularly. So you saw a big disparity last year. I think hopefully this year things are a little bit more on an even footing. Um, and you know, players can kind of make up a little bit what, what was lost.
0: All right, for you as someone who's watching every game, watching all the box scores, paying attention to the draft, the movement through throughout the organization, guys that leave, guys that come in, a lot of different ways. When someone like a Nick Allen gets called up and is given a shot to play, how do you feel
1: about that? I love it. I I think, honestly, there's nothing in professional sports like a Major League Baseball debut. You know, there's you can have your first moment in the NBA or the NFL, but there's just something so individual about throwing your first pitch, taking your first swing, uh, getting out there on the field for the first time. And, you know, the amount of work that goes into each one of those stories is incredible. Um, and for someone like Nick, where you just been waiting for that for so long because everything you've heard about him as a player, as a teammate, um, as a defensive player all throughout, um, you know, just kind of builds up that anticipation. So uh, it's fun, you know, and, and I think um, I remember last year, I think it was Bobby Crosby who had said, you know, Nick might struggle for a week or two at his new level, like he does at most levels. And then when he hits his stride, he'll never look back. So I think we're going to see a lot, even better of Nick Allen moving forward, but it's been great to see what we've seen so far.
0: And that's, what's so interesting. So we can hear from Ed Sprague. We can hear from David force. We can hear from Mark Kotze, but when they're giving answers, their answers, obviously there's things around that there's the business of baseball. When they're giving those answers, you, you don't have to give us the business answers. You can just give us the straight answer. Is there anything left for him to do in the minor leagues?
1: No, I mean, you know, there's always something you can work on in the sense of you know, he really doesn't have a ton of upper level at bats. But when you think about baseball instincts, when you think about, you know, him playing defense at a high level, which is often the last thing that comes for players, um, he really knows his own approach at the plate. Now, I think he just needs at bats somewhere. So if, you know, if it makes sense to have him in the big leagues with the A's, I think he's ready to do that. And again, like, you know, if they're not expected to win the pennant. Um, living through a couple of weeks of struggles at the beginning of a big league career is a lot easier to stomach than say, you know, it might've been last season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know how they're going to shuffle everything around when Kevin Smith comes back. And obviously we wanted him to have a lot of at bats too, but um, I don't necessarily see anything in AAA that he really needs to do.
0: What are the interesting stories or players you're you're really paying attention to here at the early part of this year down the minor leagues?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that double-A Midland squad is really fun. Um, Zach Zach Geloff was the second-round pick last year and has just been, you know, nonstop amazing player. Yeah, I mean, he's 14 (laughs) 14 straight uh, games with hits to start the season. And if he goes one for four, you're disappointed. You know, I mean, that's kind of a crazy thing when you think about, like, uh, a guy jumps from college to double-A essentially, you know, with just a few games last year. And he's doing this um, as a hitting streak right away. Great athlete, hustles right out of the box. Every time he hits the ball, he had a double the other day that probably went, you know, like 10 feet past the shortstop. Um, you know, it's a solid second baseman, third baseman. He's going to be a really dynamic player. So he's a lot of fun. And then that pitching staff, you know, they added Ryan Kusick, They added JT Ginn. They had Colin Pelius already set to go there, who had, had a really great year last season. A lot of high octane fastballs um, breaking balls that really break in impressive ways um so it's a lot of fun and then there's some guys that have gone back to that level like logan davidson who are off to good starts and i think you like to see that uh, as well um and then you know down in stockton max muncie is off to a terrific start you know for a 19 year old in an advanced league um, he's already got four home runs. He's hit, he hit one the other day. It was a 99 mile per hour fastball up and he took it out to right field, which is pretty impressive for a 19 year old kid that they were basically like, dude, you're not a, a power hitter yet. You can wait till a little later in your career to get there. So that he's doing that already is pretty incredible. And then I think we're going to hear a lot about Denzel Clark, who's an outfielder in uh, Stockton right now, although I imagine he'll be up in Lansing not too long, but um, you know, guy that played at Cal state Northridge, he's from Canada, Originally, his you know his mom was a Canadian uh, sprinter in the Olympics, unbelievable athlete, big power potential, um, runs well for a guy who basically could play middle linebacker in the NFL. Um, so it's there, there's definitely some really fun stories going on.
0: You know, I think about your uh, you know your Muncie story, and it just goes to show you when we see players come up and they're not freaked out by 98, 99. You trying to explain, it's like. You know, there was a time when we started seeing the velocity go up and it was like, wow. But now this generation of players, they're seeing it at such a young age that they're not freaked out about seeing this high velocity. As much as the pitchers have adapted and learned how to throw harder, the hitters, wouldn't you say, they've adapted at the same time. And as pitchers have grown, so have the hitters.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, they can train off of high velocity, uh, you know, machines like pitching machines now that you didn't used to have that before. So you almost needed to have a guy who threw 98 for you to be able to face somebody who had thrown 98. You know, now they've got a gun, you know, uh, a pitching machine that can get that to you. You know, they've got VR where you can basically take at bats off Max Scherzer, you know, and, and uh, have seen that with your eyes. And I think once that reaction it becomes kind of ingrained in your, uh, you know, your muscle memory, it's not the same as facing Max Scherzer in real life, but it's as close as you could have ever gotten before, uh, you know, in, in the way that, that baseball players develop now. So um, there is a lot that, that players can do to uh, adjust to the fact that pitchers are as good as they've ever been right now.
0: You know when I think about those hot, you know, high velocity. Back in the day, we had the jugs machines, right? Mm-hmm. It was the two wheels, and we would put the dimpled uh, ball and the rubber ball in, and the and, and both both different wheels. You could you could. I'm doing it because now people can see us, so I can explain <laughs> it. You could actually make them spin at different at different speeds, so you could get it to throw a breaking ball. But problem was when you would get those things up super super high and try and throw as hard. Ball got a little squirrely, yeah. <laughs> and you didn't want to be a hitter in there because if you got the jugs machine up over, let's say, 93, 94, you're getting it there at your own risk because those balls, those balls were all beat up anyway. That was scary. So, you know, technology, as much as we talk so much about Soto and everything and all the different high-tech cameras for pitchers, it's good that the hitters have better technology and better equipment now to to keep up with what we've given to all the pitchers.
1: Absolutely. You don't want batting practice to look like a Cardinals Mets series. So, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. I like it. Um, when, when you start thinking about the A's from a standpoint of guys that are going to be able to help, we know younger guys, I think Geloff. we saw Geloff in San Jose last year when he came into town and you looked at him and you went, oh yeah, that guy looks like a third baseman. He's the full package. But once again, we deal with the business of baseball and service time and all that kind of stuff. Who do you think are the closest guys that the fans could know that could help this ball club as soon as possible?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, another guy I should have mentioned earlier is how well Shea Langoliers has done so far for Las Vegas. I mean, you know, he's catching well, he's throwing well. I think the last time I looked, he'd thrown out six of the 10 base runners who attempted to steal on him. And, you know, that's that's tough to do in the in an environment where pitchers are more focused on, you know, trying to get swings and misses than holding runners. So, um, you know, he's been the real deal behind the plate. And then, uh, you know, at the plate he's looked as good or better than you would have expected. And, you know, obviously that's a league that's geared towards hitters, but um, I think it's worth keeping an eye on again. You know, there's obviously Sean Murphy's, I think, probably the A's best player right now and so you're not necessarily looking to have someone come up and take playing time away from Murphy but um you know I think at some point this year we'll get a chance to see a little bit of Shea Langoliers and see what he can do at the big league level um and you know I think like the it'll be interesting to see how they shuffle the double a guys I mean they basically you've seen the entire triple a Las Vegas <laughs> roster up in Oakland in the last week and a half it seems like I mean it's it's been pretty incredible um you know Cody Thomas I think when he comes back from his Achilles injury and uh, is, is able to be playing again, is hopefully someone that you'll get a chance to see because I think he could really um, add to the dynamics of, of the A's outfield if he's healthy. Um, but some of the guys at AA, you know, it, assuming that, that you don't necessarily see Christian Lopes and people like that kind of staying at, at AAA all year, um, you know, you can start to see Max Schumann moving up, uh, and he had gotten a taste of AAA last he's year. He's been hot. Up, you know, this is a guy who's, you know, 50 stolen bases last year. Um, he's hitting for a little more power already this year. Um, not, you know, not a, maybe a star in, in projection, but like a really interesting, solid player. Um, you've seen, you know, Mickey McDonald, and I don't, we haven't got a chance to see all that he can do yet, but really fantastic defensive player, gets on base, runs the bases really well. Um, so there's some role players, I think, that you you uh, can, might see this year. And then the real stars, you know, that are like the Acoustics and the Gins and the Peleus and Geloff and, you know, maybe Logan Davidson and, and, and Jeremy Ironman are, are guys that you, you might start to see um, maybe at the beginning of next season.
0: So Cody is handing me his phone and you did an article on Mickey. So his, Oh, so his dad played with Barry Bonds.
1: Yeah, this was this was a fun a fun article. Yeah, so his dad, they had a
0: lot of good players at it because uh, Greg Jeffries
1: wasn't he? Didn't he go there? Tom Brady, obviously. Yeah, so it, it's actually funny because uh, uh, Ray McDonald, Mickey's dad, uh, texted me a photo earlier today of Mickey with Greg Jeffries t- talking about switch hitting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, back when he was in high school. But I mean, it's an incredible story. yeah, his dad played all four years with Barry Bonds, so Mickey had a chance to know Barry growing up. He was a, a ball boy at uh, Pack Bell Park as a visiting uh, uh, ball boy back when he was a kid, when Albert Pujols was there. So he took hitting tips from Albert Pujols. Awesome. Um, and then Tom Brady was one of the players that sent him a congratulations when he got called up, you know, because his, his uh, Tom's sister, Maureen, is, uh, was an All-American pitcher at uh, Fresno State. And uh, Ray, Mickey's dad, runs a, a softball academy in, in San Mateo. So um, crazy connections. But just, I mean – one of those people when it you know, it was sort of like when Seth Brown got the call, you know, you could just hear everybody in the organization's just thrilled, right? Because here's a guy that really had to earn it. You know, nothing was going to be handed to him. Um, you know, 18th round pick in 2017, you know, did not have the best year in 2019. So had to go home in 2020 and basically remake his body and came out with the best season he's had. And really like people were talking all throughout the we're going to call it Pacific coast league. Now I'm never going back to that triple a West, but, (laughs) um, but, you know, people were talking about who is this Mickey McDonald, where did he come from? And and how is he this good when he was playing last year? Um, And he, he did that himself. And I think that's really awesome. And it, it was just such a great thing for him to be home for five days at the Coliseum for his whole family and all of his you know, teachers and middle school friends and all that to be able to come see him. And then to have this series in San Francisco also, um, I think it's just a fantastic way for someone to start their big league career.
0: You know, you mentioned Sean Murphy and I look at Sean and I got asked about it last night and I know this off season for him was about making better contact and right now, five for his last twenty-six. A lot of strikeouts. Um, last seven games haven't gone well. Had a great spring. Hasn't necessarily translated. He had a run there for a little bit on the road trip, but he's twenty-seven now. He's not. It's not twenty-three. It's not twenty-four. He's twenty-seven. This is in into your prime of your career and you mentioned and you mentioned Lang Leers coming over from the Braves down in AAA. I just, how big of a year is this for Sean Murphy and kind of like for him where he's going to be as a professional?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think every year is a big year. I, you know, I think the thing with Sean is that he's already, one of the top, if not the top defensive catcher, you know, in, in, in the American league, like he's, he's going to make a run for gold glove every year. Um, So you have that already, and that's a special player by itself, just given the position. And then you add in the power and you add in the RBIs, which I think even when he's struggling is, is always something that can be there for him. Um, And if he's a little bit streaky, I think you can live with that, because I think the end run will be a guy that maybe doesn't hit for average, but will hit for power. will drive in runs will eventually get those walks going again. I mean, to be fair to him, he hasn't had any protection in the lineup for that entire five or six, like every single time he's come up, there there's no reason for the pitchers to be focused on anyone else but him and getting him out. Um, so it's not like you know he's got somebody behind him that that they're kind of gonna gonna challenge him so they so they can pitch around him. And I'm sure he's pressing a little bit because he knows he's probably the biggest bat in that lineup. So um, I think you know we'll we'll see better results from him. I think what you saw in that little stretch, um, you know, in Tampa. Uh, you know, that, 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 that is the Sean Murphy that we'll probably see a lot more of as the season goes on, but um, whether he stays with the A's or whether, because they have Langoliers, they, you know, they make a deal with a team that, you know, could, could use catching, you know, that that I think we'll never know until that happens because um, that's always sort of a moving target, but I think he's well positioned to be one of the top catchers in in baseball for a long time.
0: Hoping and hope that back gets rolling because obviously with the A's offense right now, not hitting with runners in scoring position, getting guys back from the COVID list. I know you've been a Chad Pender fan for a long time. He's back. That's good to see. And I've wondered in my little world, wondering out loud, would it just be great to see Chad Pender, even though he's now shown he can be an outfielder and that Statcast loves him as an outfielder and you all these different things that he can do. Just maybe one time to say, hey, you know what, Chad, you're playing second base, you're playing every day, go get him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the greatest mystery I've – found from this season so far, and I I have not dug into any analytical data. So there's obviously going to be smarter people than me that can answer this, but you know, they've really struggled to turn double plays. I mean, I don't know how many balls have gone to the second baseman or the shortstop so far this year that you think, okay, that's going to be a double play. And then it's just a force out and that's caused a lot of extra outs um, that pitchers have had to get so far. Um, So I don't think they've found their answer at second base um, in any respect. I mean, you know, Nick, nick allen's played some there but i think ultimately you you want him on the other side of the base on a regular basis and um it is fun of a player as tony kemp is and as much as i think he needs a regular role somewhere it it doesn't seem like defensively that's necessarily the answer right now i mean you know who knows it could just be a slow start to the season for him defensively as well but um they do need to figure out an arm strength issue that's going on there i think at second base and chad definitely has a strong arm so um you know maybe he could be but uh, I, i think there's got to be some sense of urgency to try to figure out why they're not getting as many results on those ground balls um, and turning them into double plays as they should be.
0: Great stuff as always. We'll be reading you in the Athletic and uh, I said it last night on the A's Clubhouse show uh, we're going to be calling you a lot because the minor leagues is more important than ever before.
1: Well thank you. I appreciate it. This is fun. Keep up the great work. All right. Thank you.
0: She does an outstanding job covering this team. There is no doubt about it. Um, you know, a lot of players, a lot of levels, gonna need a lot of help. I tell you, Geloff. I mean, we look at the minor league report, and I gotta do that minor league report hit every single day. I mean, every day he's in that thing. I mean, you talk about the future at third base. I mean, he looks the part. I know we're not
2: selling jeans, Billy Bean. <laughs> I was watching Moneyball last night. We selling jeans? I was watching it last night. Still, still a great movie. You mean you're just talking? You mean scenes like this. I like, oh, oh, like oh, that oh, that oh, oh, guys like that. They got a little hair on their ass. It's probably one of I about, oh, oh, like guys oh, like that. Oh, sorry. that got a oh, little hair on their ass. Well, it's just a great line from the
0: movie. Do you want more? I, I mean, obviously you're into this, so go Who's ahead. Who's
4: Fabio?
3: You don't put a team together with a computer, Billy. It's
2: fact. And your favorite. An
3: ugly girlfriend. What's mm-hmm. that mean? Ugly girlfriend means no confidence.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: you can't. We're judging players on whether they have ugly girlfriends or not.
2: Guy's an right? athlete, big, fast, talented. Top
1: of my list. Clean cut, good face.
2: Can't hit the curveball.
1: I mean, it's the kind of
2: guy walks into a room, his d- already been there for two minutes. What does that
0: mean? <laughs> what? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, I just don't understand that. We're in a draft room. How much are we going to give this guy? I don't know. He's got an ugly girlfriend. That's how we're judging this guy? The
3: ball explodes off his back.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you right now. <laughs> it's the best part of the movie. The scouts, these, these, these actors, whoever these guys were playing, playing in Moneyball, literally were the best. Like, it's funny. Like Everybody remembers the David Justice scene and all that. Uh, God, what was it? Eric Bishop was the actor who actually came on a's cast. Was it Eric Bishop? What was his name? Steve Bishop, Eric Bishop, something Bishop?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good question. I don't remember. It's Bishop. Yeah. But, uh,
0: God, I can't remember. But everybody has, like, their moments of what they remember. And for you and me, it's like, dude, the scouts are the best. It's
4: hilarious. Sounds like an Oakland A already.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an Oakland A already. That's kind of our running joke around the ballpark when something happens. Sounds
4: like an Oakland A already. Another thing. No more stealing. That's what I do. That's what you pay me to do. No, I pay you to get on first, and I get thrown out of second. This is a process.
2: It's a process. It's a process. I thought I had well, the day Well, hey, Justice. Brad
0: Pitt, no one's hitting, so this walking, striking out thing ain't happening. We need guys to steal some bases. And I think this, no one right now would admit to this. No one. And nor should they, but I think the A's have no respect for Joey Bart. You see that? I mean, Sheldon noisy, just going. I'm going. What are you going to do about it, Nick Allen? When he took off yesterday, I don't have my scorebook on me, but Nick Allen took off yesterday. Ball wasn't even in the dirt yet, and he was gone. I think the A's have looked at
2: whatever data. Two minutes left in the show. Yeah, two minutes. Because we'll play, we'll play some spots, and then we'll play the Mark Cotsay show, leading right into Ace Total Access. I'm not done. Oh, well. I don't make the rules. Actually, I do make the rules, but still. Um, okay, I'm just going to say this. I believe the A's think
0: Joey Bart can't throw. And they're, they, they they last night showed it, and if they get on tonight, expect it again. It's a track meet. Turn this game tonight into a track meet because I – first of all, Joey Bart, the way he steps over the plate, is you can bust him inside all day long. That's one. But – I think that I think from a standpoint of defense,
2: the A's and and if people start doing that, the whole league then knows. Yeah, he's struggling at the plate too. He just looks lost up there, and I hate to say that about a guy. Any player you can't make contact. Yeah, he's swinging. A, I mean, Dalton Jeffries threw a pitch right down the middle. He swung right through it. I mean, it's not like Dalton's throwing 97. I mean, but still, I mean, he just swung. This is a guy that the Giants are banking on to be the next face of the franchise and. After Buster Posey retired, and he's just he looks lost. I mean, I don't know if he's playing again today or if Kirk Cassali's playing. But and they got Patrick Bailey in the minors, who I think is playing at High A now. But I mean, man, his defense doesn't look good either. Uh, I mean, that's why all those rumors of him potentially being shipped in the are they, they're looking for a veteran catcher to come in to play for him because he was hurt because he wasn't they didn't think he was going to perform. I don't know. Maybe those whispers were true that they were talking about before the season with him. I, I mean, you can't put him back in the minors and say he needs more seasoning. What What else can he do? Well, he was killing the ball in AAA. That,
0: that becomes a problem. You make excuses, doesn't happen, and then you go, what do you do? Because these guys just get older. And that, that's like the honest question about Murph is like this is, you know, this is a year where you want to see him make more contact, less strikeouts. You know, it's not. 22, 23, 24. I mean, you start talking about guys. How old's Bart now? He's a college 20, guy.
2: Twenty-five.
0: Yet, yet, you're a first-round pick out of college. You're not supposed to be in the minor leagues forever.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's hurt. But Adley, Adley Rushman's the other you guy. You sure too.
0: he's just that?
2: I think he's twenty-five.
0: How much time we got?
2: Uh, about a minute. I can manipulate the clock a second here. So I think he's twenty at yeah,
0: twenty-five. So, so he's going to be 26, twenty-six this year, like. You're not hitting now, and then people are
2: exposing that you can't throw? He's hitting, like, what, 158 on the air, something oh, like that? Oh, his
0: last. I had it in the notes. His last. You want to know how bad? Because he was he was 0 for what yesterday?
2: Uh, 0 for
0: So he came three? into last night. No, he was he was uh 0 for 3 of two strikeouts yeah. last night. So he came into last night 0 for his last 17 with 11 strikeouts. So that's now 0 for 20 with 13 strikeouts.
2: He in, or in he,
0: five games, six games, in thirty-eight
2: at bats this year, he struck up twenty-three times.
0: But then again, everybody strikes.
2: Yeah, in his rookie year, in t- twenty twenty, in one hundred and three bats, he struck up forty-one times. So there you go. He's going to strike out a lot. He is. A, I mean, he's going to hit the ball a mile when he does connect. But how often is he going to connect? That's the question. You know, and how's his defense going to translate? Because it doesn't look good right now. That's what you, it. What do you want me to do with that? I don't. Know, I'm just telling you. At least don't have to worry about that with Sean Murphy. We know what he can do behind the plate, and I'm when, just, he can, when he connects, you know,
0: I, I just want to see tonight if they just start running it. well. Why not? Take, you can't. I mean, you you want numbers on the A's? I didn't want to give these out today, but I'll give them to you. A's are hitting a buck fourteen with runners in scoring position in the
2: last six games.
0: A buck fourteen. Start taking ninety feet. Steal ninety feet. Take it. Own it.
2: Yeah, we also have, the A's also have the lowest batting average in the American League right now, too.
0: And on that note, we'll see you back in 13 minutes here for A's. Thir- what time are we on? Uh, 5.45, so you got about 18 minutes. 18 minutes. We will be back for A's total access. You'll hear from the general manager, David Forrest. Thank you for listening and watching. Whether you listened on A's cast, you watched on Twitter, or YouTube, we appreciate the support. And we'll see you back on Friday. Tomorrow's a day off. We'll see you back Friday at the Coliseum.